Today's lesson on the Southgate Student Ministry Podcast continues our series in resolution. This week, it's Resolution 720. It expands from our personal self to our friend group. How can we be better with our friends? What type of friends do we have in our life? And what are we doing to reach out to other friends around us? Thank you so much for being here. Enjoy the lesson. We started out last week with this series of resolution, right? We, we said, okay, what's a resolution look like? We talked about New Year's resolutions because it was the like second day of the year. Um, we also talked about screen resolutions, and we kind of discussed how this series on resolution is going to be a little bit of a combination of both. The idea of screen resolution was going to give us our class topics. The idea of resolution was going to give us our challenges, and we were going to discuss those resolutions in small groups. This week, uh, we get to continue that. Last week, we talked about Gideon and how his faith grew. This week, um, we get to look at Resolution 720. Before we go into like the full discussion on this week, though, I want to ask you, uh, and I know we've only been here one week, but it's been this idea of resolution, and, and maybe the idea of making a resolution isn't something that you love, but the challenge that we talked about last week, if you were here, have you taken that and said, you know what, I want to apply it um, to myself yet? Uh, have you taken it and put it into your life and practice? I hope that you have. I know like things that at least the discussion group I was a part of talked about was gave us challenges to like apply to our lives. Um, that was awesome. And we were talking about our personal selves. This week, with revolu- re- revolution, Resolution 720, we're discussing uh, this idea of friendship and friendships and, and where those friendships can hopefully lead us in 2020. What type of friendships are you in right now? <coughs> what type of friendships are you in right now? And I asked that question. It's, it's a pretty broad question. Some of you would be like, yes, I have super close friends. Like, like my friends that I hang out with and, and me, like we're all super close. Uh, we tell each other everything. Maybe you would sit there and say, like, I don't know if I have a close friend in general. I feel pretty lonely nonstop. I don't know if I have anyone I could text. Maybe you feel pretty left out of a lot of things. You have a couple friends, but in general, you're feeling left out. Maybe you're saying, like, like no, I have friends, and they're so close. We're like siblings. Um, like, we would die for each other. It's like we're blood. Like, that's who we are. We're so close. Maybe you feel like I have a lot of casual friends, but not close friends, and um, it's the whole, like, I have 100 pennies, but I'd really like four quarters uh, type thing. Maybe you're in that situation um, in your life. And I know that sitting here and talking about friendship, for some people, can be super uncomfortable. For some of you, it's like, all right, we're going to discuss friendship, and some of you are like, yes, let's go, friends, I love my friends. And others of you are like, I really hate this because I don't have any friends that I really want to talk about. Um, I don't want you to look at this lesson, and, and Matt Cook, if you're at the area wide on Sunday night, does something similar to this. If you feel like you have a ton of friends right now, I don't want you to look at it uh, in the sense of like, yes, this lesson is all for me, and if you feel like you don't have friends, I don't want you to look at it and be like, I'm going to tune out because this is about friends, and I don't have them. What I want this to do is to be able to kind of, no matter where you are in your friendships, if you feel like you don't have friends one day, you're going to have friends. If you feel like you have a lot uh, then apply this now. Um, this lesson is something that I hope you can apply to yourself. 
I was excited about this one. If you got my text earlier, I was like, let's go, be there tonight, I'm so excited. Uh, because I needed this lesson. As I was preparing for this, it was like, man, I had a lot of friends um, in my life, and I needed this to apply to me. Um, and so this is a very personal lesson and a very personal challenge to myself as Ben McGreevy, and I hope that you can also be challenged by it this evening. I want us to go ahead, if you have a Bible, be turning to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel 18 is where we're going to be um, tonight. This is, when you think about like friendships in the Bible, and I, I did a generic Google search, like friendships in the Bible. Uh, this is one of the first ones that comes up, right? Uh, this is the David and Jonathan friendship. Uh, and we're going to look at this tonight because I feel like this is in there. We don't always go to this story. Um, but I think that when we're discussing friendship, it's the appropriate time um, to go into this. And as we go into discussing what our friendship should look like in 2020, uh, I don't know if there's a better place to go than right here in 1 Samuel chapter 18. So what we're going to do is I want us to, to just kind of be ready here. We're going to jump around a little bit. Uh, in this passage, but I want us to be able to really explore uh, really the building of this friendship. So we have the friendship uh, beginning. Um, verse 1, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, as soon as David had finished speaking to Saul, the son of Jonathan was knit to the soul, or the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, I don't know about you guys, Reading that first verse and like hearing the phrase like their souls were knit to each other is a little bit odd to me. Um, when I read that, it makes me kind of uncomfortable. Um, but I sit here and I read it, and it, and what that symbolizes to me is okay, these guys aren't just becoming friends. These guys are like almost immediately the best of friends. Like if your your souls are knit to each other. It's like like you're side by side at all points. If you're if anyone's a psych fan, it's like Sean and Gus. Like, like they're not ever gonna leave each other. I know a few people in this room are like, I know exactly what you're talking about. For those of you who aren't, you're lost. Um, <laughs> but anyways, saw a show from, I enjoy it. Anyways, but I want us to take a step back because this is the first place where we're gonna see really Jonathan and David's friendship talked about. And, and it's a little bit curious to me that, okay, Jonathan and David are brought up and boom, their souls are knit together and it's like, Really? That's all it takes is them having a little bit of a conversation. This is coming right off of David killing Goliath. So what we're going to do is I want us to take a step back um, and look at chapter 17. Because I think what we're going to do is we're going to discover why so quickly the souls uh, of David and Jonathan were knit together. So chapter 17, uh, we're going to read starting in verse 31. It says, when the words that David spoke were heard... They repeated them before Saul. So this is David saying, why aren't you going out to fight the giant? Remember, the giant was coming up on the hillside, and he was saying, fight me, fight me. And like, if I win, you'll be our servants. If you win, we'll be your servants. All that fun stuff. That's what's going on here. Um, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. So they took them to the king, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart be, uh, fail because of him, Goliath. Your servant will go fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. Oh, and also he's nine feet tall, just to throw that out there. David sits here, and he's going to respond to Saul, and he's going to say, Saul, 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 I get what you're saying. 
I get that I'm a child and that that massive dude over there has been fighting since he's my age. I understand that you think I'm going to be killed, but here's what David goes and does. He says, and he says, let me just tell you about what I've been doing back when I've been watching my father's sheep. I've been attacked by a lion and a bear. The sheep have been attacked by lions and bears. And what I have been able to do is kill those lions and bears. The Lord's with me, and it's just like, boom, lion dead, boom, bear dead. Verse 36, he says, Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine, Goliath, shall be like one of them, for he has defiled the armies, or defied the armies of the living God. David's like, you know those bears and lions that I killed? This Goliath, this Philistine, he's going to be one of them. Verse 37 and David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. <coughs> the Israelites have been out here for at least 40 days. And every time Goliath, every morning when Goliath would come down and, and he would make his announcement, come fight me, they would sit there and they would tremble and they would be afraid. And in their minds they would think, this is a total disaster. We are all going to die. And here's David for the first time in 40 days of this encounter taking place. He stands up and says, okay, I get that he's a big dude. I get that, that Goliath is a tall man. Have you seen the fact that we have God on our side? Have you totally forgotten that the Lord is with us? Who is that dude if the Lord is with us? And, and you might be like, why are we discussing the story of David and Goliath when we're trying to talk about David and Jonathan? Here's the thing to realize about this moment. This whole conversation David is having with Saul, the king, the firstborn son of the king, Jonathan, he wouldn't have been off in a tent alone. No, Jonathan would have been sitting there listening to all this. He would have been present in this conversation. After all, he's going to be the next king. Saul is currently raising up his heir. He's raising up the guy to take over the throne. He, he is sitting here, and he is the crown prince, the top dog son of Saul. Jonathan, on the other hand, is not somebody who is so eager about becoming king. He's not that guy. We're going to find out later on that Jonathan is just like, hey, let me follow God. Let me follow his will. And so here's Jonathan sitting here in his, in his tent with his dad. And they're sitting there afraid every single day. And Jonathan's probably having similar thought to David, like we have God on our side. But Jonathan's not going to take the fierce step. And David walks in. And Jonathan's sitting here watching this kid similar in age to him and David, untrained in the art of war, walk up and say, I got this because God is on my side. And if we think that David isn't spending like battle prep time near the king of Israel, then like we're probably not understanding it. Later we're going to see that Saul's like trying to give him his armor. That's not a quick process. Jonathan is sitting here in this room the whole time. You've got to imagine that David and Jonathan, finding people similar in age to each other, are spending time. So David goes, kills Goliath, comes back to Saul. He has the, the head of Goliath in his hand. He's just carrying it up there. And you have to be Jonathan. Like, put yourself in Jonathan's shoes. This guy your age goes and kills this massive dude with a slingshot that cuts off his head with a sword and walks back just like 
just like a absolute boss carrying this head of this Goliath that he just killed. And you've got to be like Jonathan, like, this guy is insane. Like, I want to be this guy. Um, he, but here's the thing that Jonathan notices. If you're Jonathan in his mindset, and if we're, like I said, you find out later on in the story with Jonathan's mindset to serve God. If you're Jonathan in his mindset here, your reaction is not like David just did that. Your reaction is, David had the courage and the faith in God, our God, to be able to do that. And then we get to chapter 18 when David comes back and presents the head and says to Saul, like, look what we've done, all this fun stuff. That's when their souls are knit together. These guys are going to become best friends. Why? Because they had common ground in their faith and God. That's what stood out to each other about each other. What we're gonna let's keep going and we're gonna see how this relationship continues to grow. This friendship continues to grow. Verse 2 of chapter 18, to clarify. And Saul took him that day, would not let him return to his father's house. So Saul's like, uh, you're mine now, boy. Uh, verse 3, then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that he that was on him. Remember, he's the crown prince. He's, he's the next king uh, in line. So he stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Why does Jonathan in this moment give up his armor and his weapons? They're still sitting there near the battle. Yet Jonathan's like, here is my robe. Here is my armor. Here is my weapons. When Jonathan gives David this stuff, he gives him, by this action, he essentially says, I know that you are going to be the next king of Israel. You are the one who should be dressed in the armor and the clothing of the next king, the crown prince. God's hand is clearly on you, and these rightfully belong to you. Because Jonathan surrendered to God, he could see the hand of the Lord upon David. He knew David's destiny and was perfectly willing to set aside his own personal ambition. Can you imagine being the one who's going to be the next king and sitting there watching a guy do something great and be like, you know what? You deserve to be king next. I can tell that the Lord is with you. Here is all my armor. He was able to set aside his own personal ambition, something that's absolutely ridiculous to think about as of anyone who's not a follower of God, and he followed and honored the Lord's choice. Notice how David responds, verse 5. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. That's key. Notice that he's doing what Saul says to do, so that Saul sent him over, uh, set him over the men of war, and this was good in the sight of the people, and also good in the sight of Saul's servants. David just says, you know what, you're king, I'm going to follow what you're telling me to do. He could have sat there, and in this moment, responded like, hey, I'm wearing the prince's star, I'm the, I'm the crown prince here, I'm the next one to be king. He could have been an arrogant jerk to Jonathan. He could have said, forget you. I'm done with you. You're nothing to me anymore. I've got what I need. Uh, now get out of my way because I'm going to replace your father as soon as possible. Instead, it's a he's going to have to wait like 20 years-ish before he's <coughs> going to receive the throne of Israel. 
and replace Saul. See, Jonathan was ready to recognize David as God's choice from the next king. David was willing uh, to let himself be put on the throne, but he was willing to do it on God's timing. What does this tell us about both David and Jonathan? It tells us that they were both willing to submit to the will of God. If they let the issue of who will be the next king get in their way, if they hadn't settled it in their hearts, they never could have had this kind of close love and friendship they had. They loved each other more than the throne of Israel because they loved the Lord more than the throne of Israel. And that brings me to a question I want us to ask tonight to ourselves. When we are choosing our closest friends, how much does their spirituality matter? That's a tough question because you might be sitting there, and I know that's really difficult to read. It's probably hurting your eyes. Um, but like, but like, if you sit there and you look at your life, you're like, what, what do you mean by that? See, David and Jonathan in this story, this ultimate image of friendship that we get to read about here in 1 Samuel, they were drawn together because of their commitment to the Lord. There was nothing that was going to stand in the way of that commitment, no matter if one was becoming the next king of a nation, king of millions. So when you go to make your closest friends, are you going to choose somebody who's going to help you forward in your faith? And I'm not saying, like, hey, don't have friends that aren't active in faith. I'm saying, like, are your closest friends the ones that that you're going to rely on, like Jonathan and David relied on each other? going to be followers of Christ. When you're choosing that best friend, that, that girlfriend, that boyfriend who will eventually become a spouse, that person who you're going to spend the most time with of anyone, are you choosing a person who's going to make sure your faith is growing? Last week we talked about what are you doing in your part to help your faith grow. This week we're talking about who are you surrounding yourself with that is going to do their part to help your faith grow. I want to challenge you, if you look at your life right now and you don't have a David and Jonathan friendship in your life, if you can find one, it will be life-changing. A friendship that will discuss spiritual things, a friendship that you can confess struggles to each other, a friendship that is so based in God that both of you are going to stand strong together. When you're deciding to choose your friends, let your closest of friends be spiritually sound. And I don't want to sound like harsh or a jerk or anything like that. But if you're at a point in your life and you look at your closest friends and you're like, they couldn't care less about God. And they're not helping me get towards Christ at all. It might be time to find somebody or encourage them to be somebody who's going to guide you to Christ. Who are the people in your life that friend that's going to be your David Jonathan friendship. The other thing I, I want us to discuss when it comes to friendship is the resolution side of it, the resolution of reaching out. Um, last week in our small groups, there was a question that was asked, and, and I know my small group discussed it, hopefully yours did as well. The question was, if all that mattered was like you and eternity, how would your life change? And our small group uh, answered really well, like a lot of different things that in our lives that we could change. Um, that would affect our eternity. Uh, as we discussed the idea of Resolution 720, so we're sitting here and thinking about our own personal Christian life and the faith of those surrounding us, 
I want to ask us the question of what are we going to do to help build the faith of people around us. Let's go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Turn there. This is another famous passage of scripture um, that I don't even know if you have to read the Bible to have heard this before. Uh, but I think that, that for us, as we study this, it's great to take almost these scriptures that we've heard over and over again and maybe dissect them in a different way um, so that we can understand them a little bit better in context. Uh, tonight, when we, when we discuss this passage, we always apply it to friendships. I want us to apply it to our own personal friendships tonight. So we're in chapter 15 of John. Let's start in verse 12. We're just going to read 12, and then we'll discuss, and then we'll jump back in. So verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is Jesus talking. He's giving us a commandment. Hey, love everyone. Uh, he, I've loved all of you. I, by the way, have come to die for you. Love other people at that point. Um, he's going to sit there and he's going to stretch it out over some verses, but he's going to bring it all together uh, right here with the verse that we know so well in verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, <coughs> that someone laid down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friend. What's the big deal about this verse? See, I think when we look at this verse and try to apply it with the people around us, it, it, it can become a difficult idea of, like, which friends will I lay down my life for and all that type of thing. And it's like, like, our mind immediately goes to, like, man, if there was a bus crashing down a road and someone's standing there, would I dive in the way and, like, sacrifice my life? Or if someone's about to get shot, would I step in front of them and take the bullet? And that's our initial reaction. Like, how awe-stricken would we be as somebody with such a good friend who, who loved you enough to be willing to do this. But here's the thing. Jesus in this moment, I don't think, is talking about that idea. See, because these, of course, show love, but I think in the idea of, of what Jesus is saying here, I don't think he's talking about necessarily, like, yes, you absolutely need to give your physical life for your friend. See, Jesus is challenging us in this moment, get past the, the earthly luxuries that you have, get past the, 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 the pleasures that you have with your friends, the comfortable side of things, the things that make having a friendship easy. Get past all those points. And be willing and ready to get uncomfortable, to toss that comfortable life that you have and crush it into the ground if it means helping your friends get to heaven. He sits here and, and he says, hey, by the way, love people as I have loved you. Lay down your life for your friends. He's referencing himself as he's going to lay down his life. He comes, lays down his life on the cross. Why? So that other people can get to heaven. He was willing to die to get us to heaven. And so what he's doing here is he's challenging us at this moment. Hey, when you look at the people around you, when you look at your friends, the people you're close to, are you willing to lay down everything that's comfortable in order to help them get to heaven? Are you willing to lay down that easy life that's, that lets your relationship with your friends be just casual and easy in order to be true friend to them. Jesus laid down his life for his friends. How do we become a friend of Jesus? It says in verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. We want to become a friend of Jesus 
We have to obey his commands and tell our friends about how they can be the friend of Jesus. Tonight, what is your resolution going to be in your friend group? Are you going to reach out to somebody who is a follower of Christ uh, and let them become your closest friend? Are you going to reach out to that other friend who, who maybe isn't a follower of Christ and, and talk to them so that they can eventually become a friend of Christ? Be ready to die in that comfortable relationship so that you can become a great friend of Christ. Thank you so much for listening to this week's lesson. Hopefully you hit the subscribe button so that every single time a new lesson is posted, you're notified and you can listen right in. Thank you so much for being here and have a blessed day.